All right, welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Fialis with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? I'm good, man. How you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. And I'm also uh, pleased to uh, have joined with us Reginald Van Apple. Apple, am I saying your last name right? Yeah, actually, you got it exactly right. Hi, exactly right. <laughs> <It's> first try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how's it going, man? Everything's well, man. Everything's well. Just good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. No, nah, no problem, man. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What do you do and uh, you know, how many kids do you have and what are their ages? Yeah, I actually, I work at a fatherhood program here in Compton, um, California. I've been the fatherhood administrator here for about four years. I've been with the agency for over 20 years about to come on 21 in June. Um, so it's been a, a very valuable experience for me. I mean, I love giving back to the community. I love teaching people what I know, but more, more than that, I love just connecting with the people. Um, I have three kids. Uh, my kids are a little bit older. Um, my kids are 25, 23, and 21 now. And I have a grandson who's just turned a year. So that's also a big blessing for me. Oh, that's what's up, man. So you're a granddaddy. Yeah, I'm a granddaddy already, man. I, I started young and they started young. <laughs> <laughs> so how old were you when you had your first child? I was 23. I was 23. Okay. So I, I, was, I was super young, but it was, it was young in, in today's sense. Okay. So when yeah. you had your first child, do you did you feel like you were ready? Um, actually, you know what? I, I wasn't ready. I'll be honest with you. But mm. once you have your child, you got to get ready. Yeah. Uh, so you figure things out as you kind of go along. I mean, um, just personally speaking, I have a relationship with my dad, but it wasn't the greatest relationship. We just kind of coexisted. Yeah. We were in the house together, but we didn't really interact or communicate a lot. Um, and this parenting at that time was kind of hands off. Um, if, if you can figure it out, figure it out. If you can't, you, you don't. <laughs> so that's kind of how we operate in our household. So when I got my children... Yeah, I had to get ready just like that in a moment's notice. So, um, and a lot of it, unfortunately, was by trial and error. Mm. But at the same time, it, it, it's also a blessing because I get to teach other people, as I said before, from my mistakes. Not that everything I did was a mistake, but I, I can prevent people from making the same mistakes, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I was, I was a young father. I had my first child when I was 21. Okay, you beat yeah. me by a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was like one of those um, like WTF moments that you had? Like, uh, I know you spoke on the mistakes. So what was one of those uh, one of those moments for you? Yeah, this was actually a moment that happened a little bit later on in life. I mean, I probably have many of those, but the one that kind of stood out the most to me was uh, my my youngest son. Uh, I mean, he wasn't doing too well in school. There was other things going on, but I didn't seek to find out what, what, what was wrong or what was going on or how you're doing in school. I just know he was skipping school. The homework wasn't getting turned in, which I didn't understand because I would help him with the homework. Um, but the, to, to make the long story short, the, the WTF moment, as you would call it, is uh, bottom line, I was I was you know, trying to encourage him, get back to school, he, what's going on? And, you know, at that time I was raising my voice and doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Yeah. I should have been having a conversation. Um, but long story short, 
three or four days went by, he's still coming home from school, complaining of stomach pains, and me being a dad, like, ah, oh, you just don't want to go to school. Get out of the school, I'm gonna drop you off. I drop him out of school, that before you know it, he's home before I get home. How do, how do you get home before I get home? I, I was a single father, so he had called his mom, and his mom gave him permission to come home. Mm-hmm. But here, here's, here's the crazy part of it all. You know, all this time while I was on his case, the community going to school, yeah, my stomach hurts, so on and so forth. I found out that uh, his stomach really was hurting. I took him to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, I'm glad you brought him in today because if he would have been gone one more day, his appendix would have burst. Oh, man. Um, so that was a valuable teaching moment for myself. It kind of opened my eyes to say, you know what? Parents always think they know best, father knows best, but we don't. We don't ask questions. We don't see what's going on. What's their perspective? Um, why are you feeling the way you do? It just automatically we assume like, oh, you skipped the school. What's up with you? We don't do that here. Yeah. Uh, so that was the, the eye opener for me. Oh man. You mentioned, uh, yes, that's uh, definitely an eye opener, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because uh, when you, when your kid gets sick, man, either you can uh, fix it or you can't. It's real, real simple. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned about your dad that you guys weren't close. Um, how did that affect you as a father when you became one? Uh, did it make you want to be more closer to your kids? Or how, how, uh, how did that affect you? No, you, you know what, you're honest. Honestly, I, I really did want to be closer to my kids. But for some reason or another, as much as I wanted to be, I just couldn't be. There was still a distance between us. As much as I wanted to get close and tried to get close, there, there, there was something uncomfortable about it. And it was uncomfortable because it was something new to me. And I couldn't really express my feelings because growing up, we didn't express our feelings. We only had one feeling that was angry and that was acceptable in most cases, depending on the situation. Yeah. But if we were to show emotions or cry or any of that stuff, um, it just wasn't in our culture to do that. We had to man up. Even at a young age, you know, it doesn't matter how old we are. When we're playing sports in, in, in Little League, right? What happens when you get hit with the ball and get knocked down? They say, walk it off and you got to go to first base. Yeah. Uh, there's no time to cry or anything like that. It, right. It's not permitted. So for me, getting emotional with my children is something I wanted to do. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest, to this day, I still struggle with a lot of that stuff. But each day I'm improving at the same time. If I could give, give you another story, um, I have all these anecdotal stories, but uh, my daughter, and this is probably about three or four years ago, it wasn't that long ago, uh, she felt that I didn't love her. And I'm like, in my yeah. mind, what does she mean I don't love her? Every time she needs something, I, I'm there to split, split seconds notice, right? Whenever she needs something, I got you. We got you covered. What else do you need? Okay, I got you. Uh, the problem with that is I was always a provider, and that's kind of the role we take as fathers, protectors and providers. But the, yeah. the one thing I think that we forget to do is nurture. Um, so in this kind of, in this scenario, she was like, well, dad, you never tell me that you love me. How do I know that you love me? I'm like, I thought all this time I was showing you that I loved you, but I, mm. but, but, but I guess because I never heard those words from anybody, I didn't know that they meant that much to you. I'm just thinking like, it's just something that we do in our family. We don't talk about stuff like that. Um, so it was kind of interesting because she's, she's very honest. She could say, I love you, love you, dad, love you, dad. 
and I'll say it back to her, but I, I've never really initiated that type of conversation because it's uncomfortable. Um, but I had just kind of explained to her my upbringing and we didn't do that in our household. Not that it's an excuse, because it's not an excuse. And if this is what you need from me, I'm gonna go for it, I'm gonna give it to you. Um, but be patient with me, because I, 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 I explained to her, I am uncomfortable with this. It's not that I don't love you, it's just I don't know how to express it through words. I'm all, all about the actions. Um, she said, okay, dad, so now she says, I love you, I said, I'll love you back. But now I could say I love you first before she even says it. So she taught me how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. You know, I, I feel like um, I, I, I'm i uncomfortable with saying I love you first. Like, if somebody say I love you to me, I could say, like, love you too. But just me initiating that, saying I love you, you know, I, I don't think I, I've done it before, but I don't – it's not a lot. Not even with my parents, I, I don't think I've said it. No, yeah, I, I get you on that one because I, I remember my mom saying it to me one – one time, but I thought I heard it. Maybe it was just me thinking that she that I wanted to hear it. <laughs> but she, we hung up on the phone one time, and I and she's all right, mom. I'll talk to you later. See you later. And she got she was like, love you. And I'm like, did she just say I love you? But by that time we had hung up, yeah. and I wasn't gonna call back and ask, hey, did you just tell me that you love me? I've never heard that from you before. <laughs> so I said, let me let me just keep this one because if she didn't say, that's gonna look a little bit different. So I'm just gonna reach out and like she said it. That's what I heard. <laughs> man, I say it all the time, man. Um, I actually, uh, it's another funny story, man. I was I was talking to Dr. Raheem while he was in California. I, I told him, I love you. I, I love you, bro. I know this guy since kindergarten. So uh -huh. uh, how I think about it, man, uh, we should be uh, a lot more comfortable with it because Love is the, the strongest emotion, the strongest thing in the world. So, you know what I'm saying? We should be able to share that to, you know, our friends, our, especially our kids. Because what happens when our kids hear it all the time, they, they'll tell their kids, you know, they just go down, mm -hmm. downhill from there. So, uh, you know, kudos to you, man, for, for you know, getting past that uh, uncomfortable feeling and, and, and being comfortable with uh, pushing forward and saying that with your daughter. You know, I think that's important. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and you give a difference in the relationship, like you're saying. If we could say to each other and we could be comfortable with it, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world, you know? It just, if you could express that, you could express any emotion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I, how long have, um, how did you get connected with the fatherhood program that, that you work with now? Um, actually, I've always been an advocate of, of, of fatherhood. Uh, I kind of, it kind of happened on a whim. My uh, executive director found out that I was leaving the agency and I was quitting because I was just overwhelmed with my position and I just didn't want to do it anymore. I went home tired every day, exhausted. I just found no purpose in my life. I was just waking up and going through the motions. Mm. So she walks in my office one day and says, I, I hear that you're, you're looking for another job and that you're going to leave the agency. I, I would have liked if you would have came to me, we could have talked about it because I think you're a valuable employee and all this other stuff. They start talking you up, right? Because they want you to stay. Yeah. Um, and it's probably true stuff. I'm, I'm probably minimizing it, but you know how it is. We, we, if we can't share feelings, it's hard for us to accept feelings too <laughs> and the compliments. Um, but, but the bottom line is uh, she said, if you could do anything at this agency that you, you, can, do, you can do, just pick, pick whatever it is. Just let me know. And I said, you know what? We don't have a fatherhood program. Let me, let me hook up and start a fatherhood program. 
Mm. And she said, well, let's do it then. Write it up and tell me what it's going to look like. And, and the only condition that you have to stay and continue working for me. I said, whoa, for real? <laughs> I said, okay, let's do it then. So ever since that day, that was in 2017, um, I've been just hitting the floor running with this fatherhood program. Oh, that's cool. So you, you built it from the ground up pretty much. Yeah, basically from the ground up, exactly. But I had a I had a lot of uh, models and stuff to look after too. Um, mm -hmm. I would always go to trainings and just you know get from different people and, and research at the programs. Um, but at the same time, I would also look at our community and see what the services are that we needed in our community. And fatherhood was definitely one of those programs yeah. um, because everything that we have. Uh, our agency is called Shields for Families. I don't know if I'm allowed to throw that out there, but if not, you could you could edit it. No, <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but 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 technically speaking, when we talk about serving families, especially in social services agencies, talking about mothers and children, we're never inclusive of the father. Yeah. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to start this fatherhood program because I found that many of the dads they want visitation with their kids they want custody of their kids they want to you know spend all this time with their kids but for some reason or another systems um and and, and you know other things put in place have prevented them from from moving in, in in those directions um so that so that allowed me to create a policy change within our agency as well and how do we include fathers in this process we look at our intake forms <clears throat> excuse me all our intake forms ask for the mother's information, um, but they never ask for the father's information. Why is that? So automatically we're being exclusive uh, when, and we're not including fathers. So, so little things like that make a difference. When we go walk into the lobby, it's not inviting for fathers. Everything we see is about pictures of mother and children, mother and children, where's the dads? So those, so those, so, so those are the things that we're looking at doing, not only at agency, but across our community. Congratulations on all the success and, you know, really uh, developing this, this idea into something that, that's helping people. No, yeah, most definitely. I mean, if I could just go back a little bit, I know we talked a little bit about my, you know, um, being a single father in the mm -hmm. early years. <clears throat> a lot of this too stemmed from, from a lot of my experiences. Um, being a single father, I was struggling, living off of credit cards paying rent, you know, whenever I could, however I could, yeah. um, legally, of course, um, but <laughs> at, at the same time, I just want to clarify that, yeah. Right, of course, <laughs> but <at> the, legally. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I, I was out there looking for assistance, too. A lot of these programs, again, they, they serve mothers and children. I went to go file for child support, and I had custody, full custody, the mother was able to visit every other weekend um, and I go in there and try to file because I want some financial assistance so I don't have to live off my credit cards I could put enough food on the table because there's many times that I put food on the table and I ate whatever was left over I let my kids eat first whatever was left that was mine um, so I went to the financial aid I mean not financial, the, the uh, child support office and I tried to file for child support and I was met with a bunch of resistance and they said you know what I said, uh, they said, uh, even when the, even though that you have the kids full time, the mother has custody every other weekend. You know what you're going to be responsible for? It's paying the mother every other weekend that she has the kids. 
I'm like, that's how is funny. that possible? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's if, if the mother had the child full time and I had every other weekend, she wouldn't be paying for me. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of walked out of there just defeated with my head just down because at that time I was young. Um, I, I told you I was like maybe now 26 at the time. Um, but by, by now I had three kids. Um, so trying to just navigate that was just, it was, it was a little bit ridiculous. It shouldn't be that hard. And, and it's about the kids anyways. It wasn't, don't make it about me. I need the assistance for my kids. I, I don't want it for me. I want it for my kids. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, um, going back to when you, uh, I guess when you were a kid, let me ask you this. Um, you say your dad wasn't, uh, you weren't close to your dad. Um, who would you say would be your, um, I guess, biggest uh, mentor during that time? Or someone that you could look to, a male figure that, uh, you know, helped you out, you know, during that time that your dad wasn't around as much? Yeah, you know what? I had uh, people here and there. I don't think anybody that was like a solid mentor. It's just brief interactions here and there. I used to play baseball. So my coach would give me some advice here and there. My teachers would give me advice here and there. But it was nobody who was just really committed to that role. So I was kind of out there looking for different role models um, to kind of fill that void. Um, but I think it was still kind of un unsuccessful because, I mean, I'm, I'm a little kid at the time. I don't have the resources to get everywhere and to, to connect with people. So, I mean, the baseball was there because, you know, I signed up for baseball. So I had that opportunity to connect at those times. When I went to school, I had opportunities to connect at those times. But other than that, there was no other connections um, no uncles, uh, no no big brothers, nothing of that sort. So, again, I think I think we just had to, for us, the model was, hey, figure it out. And that's kind of how we, we kind of lived <laughs> almost our yeah. entire life. Man, so it's like you pretty much raised uh, yourself in a way, like uh, from, that, from that perspective, from the male point of view. Yeah, you know, basically. Uh, you became a dad, young. So you pretty much had to, had to uh, you know, escalate it and uh, do it on your own, uh, you know, for the most part. Yeah, and and, and that's, that begins at a young age, right? Because if, yeah. if my parents are separated and I'm living with my mom, now all of a sudden, because I'm the oldest or the only uh, male figure, I'm, I'm the man of the household. How does that even compute? Um, yeah. So th those are things that I think uh, as families, we kind of, do just because we're brought up that way but is it appropriate that's the other question we need to ask sometimes and and, and here's the other part of that too okay I'm, I'm 13 years old now I'm the man of the house what kind of authority does that take away from my my mother if I'm the man of the house now I'm in charge but my mom's older than me shouldn't she be in charge so th these are just questions I have now but back then to me it made sense yeah. you know is I want to ask you this, and it's kind of a two-part question. So, like, if you think about it, it's two places, two cities in the country that get a bad rap to me. And I think one of them is, like, where we are, Chicago, and another one is Compton. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. what, what was it like, you know, um, growing up in Compton and raising your family there? Actually, you know what? It's not as bad as people think it is. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, low-income housing and liquor stores on every corner and check cashing places on 
every corner as well. Yeah. But when we talk about community, it's a real sense of community. I mean, what we see on the news, yeah, that stuff does happen, but I think people exaggerate it to, yeah. to an extent. Yeah. Um, some of the, the nicest people I've ever met have come from that community. And it's crazy because everybody looks out for each other and people don't realize that. It's not everybody for himself or, you know, me against the world, as Tupac said. It's, it's not like that. Um, it, it's more like there is a real community. I remember going to a, a, a funeral, and I mean, there's many funerals I went to, but this particular funeral, we stood outside the church and just the whole projects came down and we were standing in the streets and we couldn't even get into the church because everybody was just supporting each other um, through what had happened. Um, and it, it's just, it's just amazing. And, and that's the stuff we don't see on TV, but should be seen on TV. Those are the, the Tyler Perry type stories that he kind of throws out there that, that we, we need to see as well. But, and I'm glad he has that voice because he, he's, he is making a difference through his films because he gets, he gets to see the whole perspective, not just the one side. Is Tyler Perry's from Compton? Oh, no, I'm just saying because he's, oh. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> okay. the way he general. throws his message out there. Yeah, I don't okay. know where he's from, but I know, I, I, know, I know he used to, he was homeless at one time before he became what he became. So I, he gives perspective from both sides and his, his stories are very, you know, powerful and, and they, they have a message behind it. It's just, so that's what I like about it. And I, I don't know why Tyler Perry came to my mind, but I mean, I think he, I mean, if you think about it though, he's, he's been an impactful part of my life. I'll put it that way, just because the messages he brings through his movies. Yeah. You know what you said about like um, some of the, I guess the ideas that's put out there and kind of uh, blown out of proportion. Uh, that's how it is about Chicago. Like, I don't think Chicago is really bad, like how people make it seem or how some people think about it. Um, so th I don't know. That's just something that uh, I guess the media or whatever uh, try to perpetuate. No, yeah, definitely. And if I could just share one more story, I mean, uh, at one time I was overseeing all of our facilities and buildings and I had, you know, a few people working under me and they're barely making enough minimum wage. Plus they get their, uh, uh, you know, their, their, their monthly check from the government and stuff like that, that, that helps out a little bit to supplement their income because they're low income. Mm -hmm. um, but these people are, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, they're just, how do I say it, man? They just catch, they cut into your heart because, they wanted to buy me lunch and I'm making more money than, than them and I should buy them lunch. And they're like, no, no, it's cool. I got, I got my, I got my food stamps. I got it. I got it. Yeah. And like, they're already in the position that they are and they can't, you know, it's hard for them to, to make their bills and pay for things, but they're willing to use their food stamps to buy somebody lunch and just take out of their pocket. And I think that's, that's the stories that we need to hear because if, if you're barely making it, but you're willing to give to somebody else, even though you're barely making it, yeah. That says a lot about community right there. And, 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 and everybody does that. When I, a lot of people do that. I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people do that in that community. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, my wife, one of, well, one of my wife's best friends is from Compton. She grew up in Compton. So, yeah. Okay. Um, do you know where at? Like on Rosecrans or where at? Oh, no, I don't know where, um, 
like with the streets. I just know she she's oh, okay. from there. Yeah. Yeah, those are the landmarks when you say like Crenshaw, Rosecrans, and then you know how people just <laughs> Long Beach <laughs> Boulevard. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you got got some streets out there that if you name the street, people know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of similarities. So you between... mentioned. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> no, I was just gonna say it's a lot of similarities. I, I feel like between like Chicago and Los Angeles, so. Uh, just as far as like the neighborhoods mm -hmm. and uh, like the different communities that's you know that make up the cities so that was all I was gonna say mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask you um what was um like during your child your your, your children's like uh upbringing um other than the like the financial aspect um what were some of the challenges you faced just raising them in general, like, you know, the day, the day in and day out type of stuff? Like, what, uh, what type of things uh, did, did you uh, have to overcome being a single dad with your kids? Yeah, you know what? Everything was a challenge. Um, and and I'll, I'll kind of put it this way. Uh, <laughs> dropping off at school, picking them up from school, those were challenges, too, because my work schedule is 835. Um, they start school and get out before and after I get off. Um, so I, I find myself taking off a lot of time from work or letting them know, hey, I'm going to be late today, and this is the reason why. Um, yeah, they say that's okay, but, but, but I, when I walk into the office late, people are looking at me like, what, what's up with this guy? Why does he think he has special privilege? He thinks he owns the place, or, or, or what's up with that? Um, and, and I'm not in a place where I just want to tell everyone my situation. Well, this is why I'm late. And, and maybe I should have, because maybe that would have changed some minds. But um, in addition to that, um, just trying to, to, to go to the grocery store, you know, bringing all the kids with you, having the, one in the car seat, one in the booster seat, and one in the seatbelt. Um, especially when, you know, when you take your kids on that drive, they all fall asleep. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you find yourself carrying three kids somehow trying to go up into the second floor of your apartment to, to get there and, and it's just it's kind of crazy sometimes because you, you definitely don't want to leave your kids in the car and run up and down the stairs to make sure they get there because I'm not leaving my kids they're all coming with me it just takes a split second for something to happen um but 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 it's kind of crazy I know they appreciated that because they did mention it to me one time. Hey, Dad, I remember one time we, we lived at that place and you were carrying the car seat and, the, and the, the, the little carrier and me all at one time. I wasn't sleeping. I just was pretending I was sleeping. Um, but I wanted you to carry me because you were carrying everybody else. So uh, those, are, those are the good moments, you know. You're just like, okay, I am doing something right. <laughs> yeah. They still remember that. That's, that made an impact on them. Like, my dad was yeah, a yeah, yeah. superhero. And I think that's the thing. We never know the impacts we make until I think a lot of times our kids get older and they start having their kids because um, I think they now they can appreciate what you've done for them because before it's kind of not necessarily an adversarial type relationship, but, um, you know, kids want what they want, adults want what they want, and, and, and we don't see eye to eye at that time. Um, yeah. And we don't see the lessons until sometimes later in life. Yeah. So can you talk about your relationship with their mom? Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Um, actually, we're doing 
pretty good now, uh, co-parenting. It makes it a little bit easier uh, mm -hmm. when we're both on the same page. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked me about the story because I got another story for you. Um, but, it, and this is an honest story, before everything was, I mean, me, I, I things out, what's best for the kids. And, and this is not to talk bad about the mom, but she was just, took everything personal. If, if I wanted to do something, she wanted to do the opposite. Um, and it didn't matter if I was right or not. Um, she still wanted to do whatever she wanted to do, which I could understand, but what's best for the kids? I had to keep turning it back to that. What's best for the kids? What's best for the kids? Um, the moment when we finally got on the same page uh, was the moment when my youngest son attempted suicide. When he attempted suicide, it brought us together and we had no choice but to, to make it work and to, to, to make sure that we unify because if we don't, what, what's gonna happen next? Um, there's so many things that our kids go through that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. And if we're not co-parenting, we're focusing on each other rather than our kids. Um, so it's, I think it's important that if anybody out there is in that type of relationship, that they find ways to make it work because the bottom line is, is the kids are suffering. Um, and, and we need to make sure that they're not because that, that's our responsibility as parents. Um, we brought them here to, to, to love them, to teach them, to guide them, to direct them. Um, but a lot of that gets lost if you have um, adversarial relationships with the person you're no, no, no longer with. Um, so the, the, the suicide attempt was a kind of a, a mixed blessing. You know, we never want that stuff to happen, but it created opportunities for growth. Yeah, so you guys were able to pinpoint the issue or the reason behind the attempt after yeah uh, yeah. yeah yeah we, we definitely were it, it didn't have nothing to do with our relationship per se but what, what i'm saying is there's a lot of things we probably could have noticed if yeah. we just paid a little bit more attention gotcha yeah because um mental health man is it's uh important in uh in all of us not just uh not just the adults but the kids too because mm -hmm. uh, um, I can speak for myself, I'm I'm divorced, and um, you know it's been you know tough to go between two different houses for the kids. So um, we've we've actually looked into uh, getting therapy for them, so they can talk to somebody like at an early age. Um, so yes, yeah, that's, that's uh, I'm glad you shared that part of your story because uh, a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah, and I'm glad you shared what you just shared too, because I think people need to hear that as well. I mean, people do need help regardless. I, I think a lot of times we kind of minimize the things that are going through. Well, it's not going to affect them because they they were young at the time, or or it was behind closed doors. But they they know more than than we think they know. Um, and and I got man, I got another story. <laughs> Sorry, man, I got you got all these things going in my head right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and the reason I say they know more than we think they know is because uh, my son, at one time, he said, uh, and I'll just kind of bleep it out. He said, I would have left that be a long time ago. I don't know why you stayed with her so long. Um, but he experienced a lot of things, and he witnessed a lot of things that he shouldn't have seen as a young child. But I didn't know those things were happening because, you know, we're always the last to know. 
Yeah. Um, so that's why it's, it's also important to have relationships with our kids to be able to communicate with them. So when stuff like this happens, they can have conversations with us. Um, but if we're in a household where we just kind of coexist and we just walk by each other and that's all we do, then there is no relationship. And if there's no relationship, there's no communication. If there's no communication, then stuff happens. Um, so, so I think it's, it's very important that we create those opportunities and, and every opportunity becomes a learning opportunity. Yep, yeah, that's true. So I know uh, earlier you said that you and your dad really didn't have a close relationship. Um, if you could go back, well, is he still alive? Or is, um... Yeah, he, he's still alive. He's still around. Yeah, he's uh, 72, 72. So if uh, you could ask, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you could like ask him any question about your childhood or your relationship when, with him when you were a child, what, what would it be? Uh, you know what? I, I think it's what most kids ask. Why weren't you there? Um, I think that's probably one of the most important questions. And again, I mean, it's not like we didn't have our moms. We did have time where we did spend time together, but even our time mm -hmm. spent together was quiet time. It was just us sitting there. For example, if we went to the, the horse races, uh, we never had conversation or anything like that. We just kind of sat and watched the horses. Um, if we went to out to eat or something, we just sat and ate our food. <laughs> there was no conversations. Um, so, um, because we have a better relationship now um, and a lot of that is because we're being more intentional about a relationship I had to teach him what I wanted out of a dad um, because he didn't know what a dad was either because he kind of came under the same principles I did hey just figure it out um, and if you can't figure it out then I don't know what to tell you um, his dad was kind of the same way with him it, it, it kind of from generation to generation, this has kind of been our pattern. Um, so fortunately, we've been able to break that pattern. Um, we, we, we at least meet now once a week. Um, we have breakfast once a week, and that's something we never did before. Um, before, actually, within the last maybe three years, this is starting to happen. That's cool. But before that, my dad was, uh, he, he would call you on your birthday, and you would see him on Christmas, and then the rest of the year, you wouldn't hear from him. So that's kind of how it was. Not, and we didn't have a bad relationship either, but we had no relationship. That was the key to it all. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's similar to my father, me and my father. Yeah. Um, so what would be the topic of you all's discussion now? Like when you all meet for breakfast, what what do you talk about? Actually, you know, he, he, he likes to talk a lot about his stories when he was growing up and the things he experienced because he didn't have a father to kind of, kind of guide him and direct him. Mm. Um, he, he would tell me how at a young age, he didn't know what to do with his life. Um, so he would, he joined the military. Um, and at that time it was, it was Vietnam. So he would have got drafted anyways. Um, but they were so in desperate need of soldiers at that time. And my dad didn't know how to swim. Um, and one of the requirements is he had to be able to swim from one end of the pool to the other end of the pool. So my dad jumped in the pool. And, and this is kind of a funny story. Um, the guy had to get a stick or whatever those things are called and pull him out of the water. 
And he said, you, and, and when he pulled him out of the water, he said, you pass, go get your uniform. Really? No, yeah, really. It was, it was crazy. And then he talked about, <laughs> I know. So I like hearing stories like that. And he talked about how naive he was because he had to figure things out on his own that when he was in Vietnam, he would actually go eat with the Vietnamese and, um, you know, eat the, eat the noodles and stuff with them and not realizing that, you know, he could have been killed, but he was like, oh, free meal? I could get a free meal? Okay, I'll go with you. But anything could have happened. But fortunately, for some reason or another, nothing did happen to him. Um, but I think it may just because of his, his, his character. I mean, he has a, a kind spirit and he's very, you know, I don't know. He 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 he, 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 he attracts a lot of people um, with his personality. So maybe that's what got him through it. And they saw that, hey, you know what? You're not like the other Americans, or whatever the case is. And they were able to break bread. Um, so I, I like I like hearing those types of stories from him. Um, but then also I get to share my moments too. I get to talk about my kids, my grandkids. So that's kind of what we bond over. And we, we talk about the things we could have did differently too, which is, I think, an amazing thing to talk about because in a way, but indirectly, we're kind of asking each other for forgiveness without directly doing it yeah. by talking about some of the things we should have did differently. That's cool, man. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get ready to wrap. Uh, time is almost up. Um, I definitely appreciate your story, man. Uh, yeah, you definitely have a interesting uh, or origin story, if you will. Uh, you've been through some things, and uh, you persevered, and, uh, and your kids are all, be all, the, all the better for it. So, yeah, for, sure, for, sure. for you know what you've done, the sacrifices you made, you know, to to make your kids the way they are, and, and uh, to even have a grandchild now. That's that's another a whole other blessing, man. So, uh, kudos to you for that, man. But um, yeah, the last yeah, question yeah. I had, and this is a, uh, normally one of the last questions we normally ask. Um, if you had to give advice to uh, a new dad or a dad in general, or even uh, is it your son that had the kid or uh, your, My your daughter. daughter? Your daughter, okay. What would you? Um, what advice would you give to uh, a new dad or just a dad in general uh, about being a father? Yeah, I, I think if I could do different th things, or the advice I would give is like spend as much time and meaningful time with your kids as possible. Um, yes, we have to work to put food on the table. Yes, we have responsibilities as adults. Um, but my kids need to know that we're, that they're more important than those things too. Um, yet, um, I, it, let's, let's put it this way. Um, if you can be there, be there. And be there to the fullness. Mm. Let them get down to the level too. Let, let's have meaningful conversations. Let, let's 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 play together. Let's talk together. Let's whatever it is that your child wants at that time, be there for that. I think so many times we we kind of as dads were there as needed. And when I say as needed, is oh wait till I tell your dad what you did, and then we have to be there. Yeah. Let's be there at other times too, not just for discipline. Let's be, let's be there for the nurturing. That's the one thing I would uh, one advice I would give: be there for the nurturing as well for the whole process, the birthing process too. Um, even when, when the baby's in the womb, talk to the baby, read to the baby, yeah. rub, rub the mother's stomach. The kids are gonna bond with you at that moment from the very beginning. So let's, let's be there for the, from the beginning. That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah, that's awesome. So if 
people wanted to get in contact with you, uh, can you let everybody know how they can do that, Reginald? Oh, yeah, I could, I could definitely do that. Um, you, you can reach me through my email at rvan at live.com. Um, you could also reach me by phone if you like. It's 323 558 And then I have, I have my Instagram accounts and stuff, but I don't know them by heart. So just look up my name, Reginald Van Applin, and you'll find me. <laughs> yeah, all that will be in the description below. So uh, I'll, yeah, I'll find you and uh, I'll, I'll put that information down below. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you, man. Um, yeah, definitely uh, drop some uh, some nuggets, man, for the, for the people, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, not a problem, man. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a blessing. It's been a joy. All right, for uh, my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem, do you have anything else? Oh, no, no. Uh, great interview, man. I really appreciate everything that you share with us, your openness. That's, I appreciate that, man. And thank you again for joining us. Yeah, th th thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right. And uh, for myself, Sir Royce Brialis, and our, our uh, guest, Reginald Van Applin, uh, thank you for listening to WCF Interview. Uh, stay tuned for further announcements. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to WTF Interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, wtfatherhood.org. Uh, also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a, a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are.